What's the Script Tech Podcast, where we feature engineering leaders in a series of one-on-one interviews, panel discussions and live talks, where we'll be discussing what's new, what's hot and what's not. Tune in every week to find out what's the latest and what's the script. Hello everyone joining us today. Welcome to the fifth episode of the What's the Script podcast. Today in the Director's Lounge we have Michelle Gokan Khan, CTO at Spotting. Michelle has a huge interest in the field, um, so an esteemed guest to join the podcast. Spotting use AI in their day-to-day development, so we'll be very interested in in hearing your thoughts, Michelle, on this. Um, and today the podcast we today for the podcast we have obviously an extremely current topic, um, AI reshaping the software landscape. So, yeah, firstly, welcome to the podcast, Michelle, and how are you? Thanks, Michael, and uh, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for having me. Fantastic. All right, so before going into the questions, I know we've got a number of questions, not just you know for the podcast, but from from the wider community again. So thank you again for, for contributing everyone to this. Um, but before we do that, you know, let, let's say a little bit about yourself, you know, what you do at the moment, your journey up to now, um, and interests outside of work, hobbies and interests. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm currently CTO at Spotting and uh, personally I like coding. Uh, I was doing coding from very early ages. And that's my passion, and that's what I love. Um, but I mean, beside that, I'm also an uh, active researcher in the field of computer science and performance optimization of uh, cloud-native systems. And um, yeah, I like exploring interesting stuff, especially in the field of AI and machine learning. And that's uh, quite fascinating uh, for me individual and also a researcher definitely definitely a fascinating topic and i'm glad to have you on for this one michelle and how about outside of work hobbies interests what you're into um i like i don't have many hobbies at the moment i just quite focused on my uh professional life and uh, yeah you know the research and stuff but i like going to movies i do that a lot and family life is very important for me personally um yeah and i do a lot of chess i play a lot of chess so that's something that i do nice i just bought my uh, little lad a chess board for his birthday he's five so it's not going to be playing too much chess but you've got drafts or trekkers as it's uh, called the, the american nice. one so we just bought him as he's got a load of sporty stuff, but we got we got that for it. I just saw this new, this new chess boards that uh, have this mechanical um, magnetic thing below it, so that it actually you can move the pieces and play with a, a robot or something. The, the pieces are moved <laughs> uh, without anyone in front of you. That's really nice. Wow. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not too. I'm pretty basic at chess. I know I know my way around the board. That's about it. But I'd love to uh, love to improve. You can just play online every day, really, can't you? Like just 
I played up against my brother a little bit, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's good for uh, you know stress relieving and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's um, go straight into the topic and the questions. So, the topic, just to remind everyone, is AI reshaping the software landscape. And the first question, just to set the scene, um, you know, for you, Michelle, how have recent advancements in AI, AI such as Chat GPT four, transformed the software industry in terms of development and productivity? Um, I think when we talk about AI, we should be clear uh, what exactly we mean with it. Like, it's a broad topic. Of course, we have this ChatGPT and GPT models or large language models uh, like BlackBird or, uh, or BART or ChatGPT itself that becomes super popular uh, that can help us in many other ways. But that's not limited to that. I mean, there are many other um, advancements uh, in other parts like, I don't know, in, in graph neural networks, you can see a lot of advancements. In, in, uh, uh, computer vision, uh, in sound processing, etc. Uh, but I, I would say, in specifically in software industry and in the development process um, for software companies or technology companies, uh, it really helped in many ways and also harmed it in other ways. Mm. Uh, but the parts that it really helped is, of course, the coding part. So we can now do a lot of uh, many parts of the codings uh, that we do in our day-to-day life as developers or uh, software designers uh, with the help of tools like ChatGPT uh, or BART uh, because they helps us to understand a topic that we never learned. So it helps us to basically either not, not only automate the parts of code, writing the code itself, but also learn about a new uh, topic, technology topic that we never knew about. I mean, of course we can Google it, but it's also good to have a a tool that we can communicate and give us more information about the topic. But specifically, um, it also extremely helped when it comes to writing new features or tests. So if you have a piece of already written code and you have a tool that helps you not only find bugs in it, but also write parts of it or write unit tests for it, that also really uh, helps and improves the basically uh, code quality. Sometimes it also, you can use it to comment out your own code uh, that many developers feels, uh, feel uh, sometimes feel lazy to do. Uh, so these kind of tools really help. Uh, so it helps, in other words, helps improving the documentation. Uh, and eventually it means the developers can communicate better through writing better code uh, hmm. when it comes to the coding part. Uh, it also, many aspects, helps uh, system designers or, or architects to come up more innovative and more creative ideas. Uh, not that it replaces them, but we just, uh, and you, exp- you can explain, you can write a prompt that explains your problem in these large language models. And sometimes they say something, 
they, the, the large language models may, may respond with something that triggers a specific idea in your mind. And that happened for me specifically a lot. That it didn't say exactly what I wanted, but it, but it shed light to a part of the system that I haven't taught uh, specifically, and it, you know, um, sparkled some light in my head uh, that I that helped me to, you know, design a better system eventually. Um, of course, there are some. Uh, caveats with it, uh, which can be that we should not, of course, rely to them, uh, rely to these large language models. They, for most of the times, they, uh, you know, not most of the times, but many, many of the times, they re they reply with uh, inaccurate information or information that is not completely reliable. So you should you should uh, you should be aware that this is just a tool that maybe help you to. Um, you know, make a get a better understanding of a system, but not necessarily give you the right answer to any to everything. Um, so you should just use it as a good to have tool. Uh, but mm. they have reliability and accuracy issues. Um, also, using them comes with some um, problems of privacy. So as an employee, you should feel responsible. For for your company's data, so you should not share everything with it. Uh, some companies have this policy that they don't they don't allow developers to share code with these large language models, specifically ChatGPT or or um, uh, this uh, Copilot. Um, mm -hmm. So this is important that you know what how you are using these tools and not share everything with it. Yeah. Um, another another. Uh, downside of it is that for me it's very hard to imagine hiring someone who is not familiar with these tools anymore in mm -hmm. 2023 uh, so my existing team of course they have to adopt themselves and keep them updated with these tools and how to use them how to write a good prompt etc so the yeah, learning I think, uh, and adoption is a challenge uh, I personally would like to know about how it's improved your team, and so would Achilles Chadder. He's uh, a product engineering leader at Zettel PayPal, and he's actually asked as well. He'd like to know real use cases where generative AI is helping helping your developers to become more productive. If you could share some insight on that. Um, you you can think about um. You can think about. I mean, if you are if you are asking specifically about ChatGPT, uh, as I said, you can use it in many different ways as 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 an assistant who gives you some insights about a part of the feature that you are building, or you can use it as a literally a copilot, like uh, a, a, a code a coding assistant or pair programming uh, pal, that when you are writing a part of code, it helps you with insights. Uh, I mean, you can you can try. I don't know if you tried Copilot X. It literally gives you suggestion that okay, this code might be buggy, uh, and mm -hmm. rewriting this this way might help improve the code readability or potentially fix the uh, future bugs. Um, so, using those tools would be really interesting and informative for a developer to use it day to day work. Uh, but besides that. 
I mean, uh, we may come up in other in, in next questions that it also uh, helps project managers to um, be confident that if a team does not know about the topic, they can learn yeah. about it. Uh, well, with, uh, uh, the help of these tools. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you let mentioned that about managers. Um, Christopher Nolgren, head of product at Slate, he was actually on the podcast a couple of episodes back, um, so he's never too far away. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> um, so he's asked, do you have any advice on how to facilitate collaboration between designers and engineers when working on AI features, in particular creating shared understanding on the complexities with pro probabilistic outcomes? I think one of the very important things companies especially the tech companies or software companies who are uh, having one way or another uh, some some sort of designers or product designers or graphic designers even to have some sort of workshops together about these topics and discuss how potential use cases that they can have um, so that they, so that that not only the development team keep themselves updated about these topics, but also the design team understand the potentials, possibilities, what they can use these tools for, and uh, how these tools, and do some brainstorming uh, of, okay, imagine this is the product, how we can utilize the AI uh, in our, in our uh, product. Uh, how can we help our customers to automate parts of their job uh, with the help of these tools, specifically these large language models like GPT, um, because uh, this is a game changer for many, many businesses. And this is important for the product designers to understand the poten potential and possibilities that they, that they should, they, it would be great that they can, all, they, they can have a, a common workshop with developers that, uh, for example, they go through some examples that okay, we can we can uh, ask ChatGPT GPT for example API OpenAI's API that respond in this specific way to the given prompts uh, and how how these kind of prompts how these kind of API calls can help their products in their day to day uh, work. Um, yeah, that's nice. that's what we also do in our company. And another manager has asked a question, um, Selma Hosni, another, she was on our last episode. Hello again, Selma. Um, so she's put, no, what are your thoughts on how AI will impact software development in the near future um, and on, on the longer term? Um. I think it. I think the. I think AI can affect. I mean, when again, when we say AI, we should be specific, but because it's a very broad topic. Um, but in software development specifically, I would say um, I can see the rise of tools and startups that focuses on um, easing out feature development based on the existing code. Imagine a software development company. I mean, we are not there yet from the AI perspective, from the tools that we have uh, in our disposal. 
But imagine a software development company uh, that have a code base, have an existing code base, and they just want to add new features to it. Let's say, I don't know, in e-commerce, in an e-commerce solution, they want to add a new filter to their search. So this means that they have to go ahead and then ask the developers, a designer should design a, a new, new UI or user experience, and then it should go to the database designer, they should, the data team should think about how can they write a good uh, API or, or in the data side, how can they change the, the data model, and then the developer should think about the API blueprint, and then the front-end developer should implement it, and of course, in between all these, an architect is there to architect the whole uh, feature. Uh, but imagine that there are tools and uh, platforms that let you, um, not to automate necessarily, but in all these steps integrated in a platform that um, is an AI-assisted AI platform that helps you, give you ideas about UI for this new feature. And then from that, you get a prototype of the feature with the existing code base of the company. And then with the press of button, it's been deployed on the cloud and then you can test it and then ask it to, the, to change it. So this way you can quickly uh, prototype and get uh, not a final product, but a, but a product mm. that is very close to the final result. And then developers can of course refine it. Um, and I see that this is coming. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Well, yeah, well, thanks for the questions, you know, uh, Sleep, obviously, AI company, you know, full-on AI for solving I, I a real-world problem. I past podcasts. I mean, they are fascinating. I mean, I learned a lot from yeah. whoever listening now. Go back and listen. Stop <laughs> go back listen to those. And, um, yeah, and Selma from SCB Embedded, I'm sure they've got their eye on, on AI as well, so I'm sure they'll be fascinated with your yes. answers. On the... You know, you know, slightly more pessimistic side. Selma's also asked any draw, any drawbacks you can oversee. You know, what's your perspective on how we can reshape these drawbacks? Uh, you mean drawbacks of using AI? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned a few. Of course, reliability, accuracy, of course, responsibility, adoption, and learning. Um, but. I mean, one thing that I can mention is that, of course, we are good people, I hope, and use it in a uh, good way. You try to use this for improving the, uh, our products so that the society can take advantage of it. I'm sure a terrorist organization also uh, have a similar podcast right now that we are having and then think <laughs> how, we, how they can use this for, against people. Because this is a public tool, and this is like these algorithms, they can they can use it. So this is quite one of the uh, scary parts of uh, this advancement, like any other. Tool. Like but anything. this is a public tool, and um, bad people can also use it uh, for um, yeah. for negative pur pur it's uh, like, uh, purposes. Yeah. You're a film man, like Limitless. <laughs> Have you seen Limitless? No, unfortunately. No. Uh, the Limitless where they have the tablets where like you can do anything and then the good guy has it, but then also the bad guy gets hold of it as well and he just causes havoc all over the city. So it's oh, just okay. like, exactly. You need to watch that Limitless. That's top 20 film, that one. I will, I will, I will definitely check. But but mention, mention one more thing here. Um, is that um, cyber in cyber attacks? It, 
there, there are many, many. I heard many. Uh, I, I read many articles about potential of using AI in uh, cyber attacks against specific components, like um, industrial uh, harm that it can make to companies by using these tools to analyze their vulnerabilities and then do a targeted attack. It's some of the things that really scares me. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, thanks for this sort of community questions, guys. Much appreciated. Moving on to more, you know, we've done a lot of team talking then and how it can affect teams potentially. Moving on to sort of more the, the technology side and, you know, the, the machine learning and AI integration. So in your opinion, what impact has the increasing trend of machine learning, AI sort of had on traditional software testing methods in the industry? You mean specifically software testing methods, right? Yeah. Um, well, there are like tens of papers being published specifically just for so automating software testing, not not only for ChatGPT, I mean, even before. It's an active research topic in, in academia. Um, and uh, of course, with, the, with this new advancements, it gets even more interesting. Um, but test case generation is specifically something that uh, now, nowadays becomes really uh, much easier uh, with automated test case generation, I mean. Uh, because because of thanks to this chat GPT and large language models, um, one of the very good examples is uh, Copilot itself that it analyzes the code and then helps you suggest some um, unit tests for existing uh, code base, existing new functions or features. Just ask in the comment that, okay, this function is going to uh, test this function above and then it generates the test case for you. Um, but besides that, um, it, the tools like Copilot X also detect bugs while you are writing code, right? But you don't have to, it tests it for you, kind of, uh, before you even write it or, or while you are writing it. So that, that also uh, helps you. Um, but one another interesting use case of it is that when, if you have an existing test suit, in your organization, uh, you can use these tools to even optimize them even more, so that it increases the, um, you know, uh, the quality of those test cases and uh, the coverage of those unit tests. Um, so that's those are the things that I think you can use large language models uh, for that purpose. Yeah, uh, and in terms of maybe you know, maybe even a, a bigger topic, actually, in terms of cybersecurity. So in terms of the growing trend of AI, how has how it influenced cybersecurity and the software industry's approach to data privacy and, and security, in your opinion? I think there are good sides and downsides. And uh, I think um, in terms of cybersecurity, many companies today are still using rule-based uh, control over their infrastructure uh, or do, do IP whitelisting or etc., uh, which is good, which we should have. But I think um, the trend is more going towards having ML-based methods for 
uh, you know, threat detection, intrusion detection, and etc. So with with, with ML-based, uh, you know, uh, control over the firewall rules and um, the threat detection, I think uh, it affects the cyber. It improves the cyber. Improves the uh, defense against uh, attacks. Um, also, in terms of phishing, phishing analysis, I mean, I can see already there are a lot of applications started to use uh, specifically GPT models to uh, detect phishing emails more effectively than before, um, which, you know, as you may know, phishing emails are one of the top, top uh, reasons mm. of uh, uh, targets for, for uh, hackers. Uh, and also in terms of GDPR, uh, I mean, there are many, many times you want to create a new feature and there are some data and privacy aspects of it. Um, with the help of these large language models, you can, um, you can ask GDPR related question and ask for references. Of course, they are not lawyers and they are not reliable 100%, but they give you very good understanding of existing knowledge, specifically to uh, you know, tech people who are not very familiar with the, with the, uh, with the law behind it. And you can, you can consult with it or basically ask for references about uh, the GDPR, um, you know, potential GDPR violations uh, if you explain your feature or your, your concern that you have in mind. Yeah. Uh, but there are downsides to it, to it uh, that, as I said, imagine uh, AI assistant attacks against companies uh, so that any, you know, bad people basically use these tools to find a to optimize the way that they are finding vulnerabilities in a web application or a software or an app. Um, also, um, if you are not very, um, you know, careful in the way we use these tools, we may end up sharing some personal information, uh, not only of our employees but also worse our customers with these models, and yeah. that's that's also not a very uh, good thing that can happen. Mm. Um, there are also, of course, uh, the AI becomes self-aware, etc. But I'm not going into that topic. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I'd I'd love to ask maybe if we got some time at the end. <laughs> but um, obviously, you know, spotting your business is friction-free commerce and bringing friction-free shopping experiences to your customers. So I know you just touched on the customer experience just just a second ago. So I'd like to sort of delve into that in a little bit more detail. How has the integration of AI, machine learning transfer transformed the customer experience you know, in the e-commerce sector and, and in your experience with spotting? Um, so uh, I think in terms of e-commerce, um, one of the, specifically, if you are asking specifically about e-commerce, um, I think the way uh, these large language models can help is by improved search. I've, it seems like the trend is moving, the trend of user experience is moving towards chat-based uh, platforms. Uh, like you, you start 
interacting with the application using prompts instead of just clicking and then uh, finding what you want by just exploring the app by clicking here and there. In terms of specifically e-commerce, it, it seems like it's moving towards um, prompt-based shopping that you just ask, okay, I want to buy a, I don't know, gift for my 14, 14 years old daughter. Uh, what do you suggest? Just imagine that. And then it gives you a bunch of a suggestion. I mean, you can already see it, some, some examples in the plugins in ChatGPT that they do, they do it. Uh, <clears throat> so it seems like it's moving that direction, but also uh, this is also some of the things that we are working on, on as in our roadmap and, and our upcoming future, that uh, you can basically generate images, unlimited images for products um, in different settings if you have a product to sell. You don't have to just... Uh, uh, take a picture of those products and then show those. You can also generate them based on existing codes. Of course, it should be accurate and do uh, reviewed by a human, but still. Um, it seems like that it's going to that direction and helps in many ways uh, in e-commerce industry. All right, and moving on to something you know, I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts on. Um, low code, no code. So I know it's been a hot topic now for, how would you say, 18 months, last 18 months or so, maybe maybe longer. So, you know, how, how has the advent of low-code, no-code platforms impacted the speed and efficiency of, of software development for your team? Um, if you're asking in general, uh, software development in general, I think we are still have a long way to go to start using these platforms in the software development uh, process. But we can, as I said, as I provided some examples to you, we can see the trend is rising and we, I, I expect uh, upcoming tools to help uh, developers, not only developers, mm. but also software architects to help design, writing or creating uh, diagrams or I don't know, softwares. Uh, and also for business people who don't know coding, maybe the, the, those no code and no code platforms help them talk better with the development team through uh, a platform that helps them create a prototype with the prompts and then show it to development and say, okay, I want this, something like this. But yeah. Just, um, but but if you are a startup, uh, not a not a software startup, just any startup. And now you want to use, to have a software, like an app, you want to create an app for your work, for your startup. Uh, now today, there are many no-code, low-code options in your disposal that you can take advantage of. And you can just take one of them and create your, I don't know, your iPhone app, your Android app, or your web app without hiring a development team to do so. Um, this means that every person who picks one of these platforms uh, it means that one less customer for one of the software companies, or for one of the first, this one of the software consultant companies, that um, eventually means that one less developer getting paid. Uh, so this, you can see this is mm. affecting the industry in many ways, and um, uh, for for particularly software companies uh, for utilizing these platforms in their day-to-day -day work, I doubt. Uh, adopted, but there are good evidence that trends is going into the direction that they eventually uh, 
getting to the point that these tools can help them. Uh, I'm, personally, I'm extremely interested in the idea of making life easier for software companies, which also means reducing development cost. And you can already yeah. see the effect in recent layoffs with major tech companies. And many would say it's a result of inflation or bad economy, which is, of course, a true for, for a major part of it. But I think they also know the fact that the development cost significantly reduced today compared mm. to the two to three years ago. Wow. Yeah. How much How much have Twitter reduced it to now? It's from like 15,000, wasn't it? They're down yeah, to like... I mean, much more than that. I mean, if you combine the Meta, Google, Amazon, and other companies combined, uh, I don't have exact specific, but I think 50,000 plus. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, they had some problems at the weekend, Twitter. Rate limit, rate limit exceeded. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they've not paid the bill to Google. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and you know, keeping on low code. I know you mentioned before about making things easier. So, how do you think low code, no code can contribute to scalability, adaptability in e-commerce platforms in responding to market changes and customer needs? Well, of course, for platforms or companies who already use one of these platforms, uh, it of course reduces time to market because it enables creating new f features or utilizing existing ones much faster, um, which means eventually it increases the agility and greater amount of personalization and customization possibilities. Uh, but of course, the challenge would be that when you use one of these platforms, of course, uh, from its name, it's low-code and no-code platform, which means if you want to create a custom feature that wants to do a very, very specific things for you that is not supported or is not possible in that platform, then maybe you get to the point that you really can't uh, build on that. Then you have to go for, for custom tools to do that, which sometimes means that you have to migrate to a real uh, coding platform instead. It sucks uh, because you already invested time on these low-code, no-code platforms. Um, but... Um, I think also besides that, sometimes it also affects the quality of the software because you may be able to do some stuff with these platforms, but not exactly you want and the, the quality that you are looking for. But as I said, I think the trend is moving towards being able to do even more stuff. Like these no-code and low-code platforms are going in the direction that they eventually generate code for you. So if you want to mm. make changes or add features to it you should you will be able to do it uh, that's my feeling maybe I'm wrong but that's how that's what that's an idea that fascinates me uh, and I think if you get to that point uh, mm. that would be really nice I already know a few companies and startups who uh, I know this this is startups called clarify that it, I think they they just you just prompt that what do you want and it cre it creates the chart the, the business flow for you and then from that business flow it generates the app for you uh, so that's fascinating for me uh, and uh, yeah I think that's that's my feeling today that's going to that direction and and how about you what your business spotting what's cool about that at the moment if you could I'll give give the audience some insight um, we in we had spotting um, 
or have a very easy to use tool for those those who want to have their e-commerce platform in their site but but they don't want to migrate to a uh, to one of these, I don't know, Magento or Shopify. They have they have their content site, but they want to have commerce in it, uh, mm. one way or another. They, they want to have shop. Uh, they want to advertise about a product in within their content. So we create this content commerce solution that inside your content you just include one line of JavaScript and you have a fully functional shop inside your content site without uh, you know writing or migrating to any platform so that you just put that one line of javascript wow. start using the products that is in the catalog you can add products to the catalog you can use our existing catalog we are working with several sellers um, book uh, publishers uh, fashion industry jewelry etc uh, or you can you, you can have your own product and uh, nice. yeah, you you as a seller can use us by p- putting your products in our catalog so that content creators can uh, sell those products or advertise th- those products. You as a content maker can also use so that you can sell your own product or the products that we have in our catalog. Uh, both is possible. If you if you sell the products that you have in our catalog, uh, you don't have to take care of the orders. You don't have to take care of the shipping. You just get your share after someone really places an order. We, we sync that order with the sellers in the background and you will just get your share. The, the, the handling wow. of the order is with the seller. You don't have to do shit, basically. <laughs> you, just, you just use it. Nice. Sounds interesting. So that one line of code, is that do, do, do they like embed the whole platform onto their site then? Exactly. And then, and then wow. you can choose what you want to have. You, you can choose if you want to have shop. You can choose if you don't want to have shop. You just want to advertise a product. Um, that we, you can, of course, customize the team uh, if you want, of course, with a little cost. Um, or you can use our pre-existing templates if you want to. Um, and wow. for, for the content makers, it almost costs nothing. I mean... Um, of course, in some cases it costs something, but for uh, yeah, if you have a, if you want to have a shop, this is I think really good nice. for you to have. Well, I think that's pretty much everything. Have you got anything else to add on the subject AI or, or anything else you wanted to add that you may have missed out? Um, I think the trend is going into a very interesting direction um, with with all these improvements and there are, however, there, it's, it's important for us to know that, about to know about the dangers of AI. Of course, there are real dangers and there are f- uh, fictional dangers. And we should know that, we should feel that using these tools, um, uh, when we are using these tools, we should feel responsible that, okay, we don't share personal information, don't share information that, uh, it's not supposed to be shared with these platforms. And also we feel um, we take the answers with a grain of salt um, because, yeah, it can, it can form the way we think. I mean, this, uh, I, I probably, you probably heard about, about uh, Harari uh, and he says AI 
hacked our op humans operating system and i think i really believe that uh, i think it really starts shaping the way we are thinking and we should we should kind of be aware of that at least mm -hmm. uh, and yeah that's my well, well what a captivating podcast I must say um could yeah, I could talk about AI for hours. I didn't actually ask you about the uh, sentient. Maybe maybe that's a part two. <laughs> yeah, maybe next. Time. But um, must say, re really enjoyed speaking with you on this one, Michelle. Um, you know, hope to see you again soon. Maybe on one of the group podcasts or one of our future formats that are coming up. Um, yeah, thank you very much for for coming on on today's show. Thanks for having me. And. Everyone listening, if you'd like to feature on a future show, please you know, get in touch at michael at scandiscript.com or uh, just give us a quick DM on, on LinkedIn. Hopefully we can set something up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.